All right, the Jits cast is back. I'm here with a special guest. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, what's going on, guys? My name is Paul Doe uh, from Chicago. I'm here with Hassan. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you on. Um, I didn't really know you that much in high school. We went to high school together, but we were two years apart. And you knew my brother, and then we have a bunch of friends on Facebook, and then I saw that uh, you do jujitsu too. So, yeah. Yeah, we were just talking about that. Uh, I grew up with your brother, Aman, since uh, 1987. They started in fourth grade together, went all the way through elementary, junior high, and uh, graduated high school together. So Yeah. But uh, that's the crazy thing about social media is... You know, you reached out to me uh, because of jujitsu, yeah. and um, you know we connected, and and here we are. Yeah, when I saw you competing so much, I was like, because at the time I just kind of stopped competing, and I just had my uh, just adopted a daughter, and I was just like, I don't have time to really compete, but I was still training, and I was like, I was watching your videos, man. I was like, I want to compete again, <laughs> and, the, and the fact that we pretty much started at the same time. You started about five years ago, right? Yeah, about uh, four and a half years ago. Yeah. I started in April of 2014. Uh, and have been going pretty intensely uh, since then. And uh, I have no plans on stopping. And that's one of the things I love about competing and um, because competing helps me get motivated for training and training um, training with a focus. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, especially when you get to, the main thing for me when I get to do tournaments is I get to roll with somebody where I have no idea what their style is. And then right when you lock up, you got you kind of got to figure it out. Either you're gonna impose your will or kind of try to feel them out. And usually in tournaments, you just gotta fucking go. Right. So. <laughs> I think I saw a meme the other day uh, that said something about one tournament is equivalent to 30 classes. I think it was a quote from a red belt or something like that. But that's one of the great things about competing is, you know, when you go and train in the academy, or say even you go and train like we just did at an open mat. You might be getting 80%, 90% of your training partner, maybe even less if they're you know, a higher belt than you and they're just working on things and flowing. But in a competition, you are getting somebody's 100%. Yeah. And when you get somebody's 100%, you figure out things that work and that don't work. Yeah. And yeah. so I always tell the white belts that uh, train at our academy, um, you know, compete because you'll start, you'll, you'll learn something. It doesn't matter if you win or lose, you'll learn something about, hey, this works in the academy, but it definitely does not work in a competition. And so you want to be able to figure stuff out like that. And if you do really well in competition, then, then you know that stuff works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's, that's one of the great things about competing. I mean, I started competing, uh, I started in April 2014 with Brazil 021, and I started competing in August of 2014, and I've done... I've, I've just not stopped. And yeah, it's good, man. It's good. Another thing I like about competitions is, like, I think for a lot of people, they get really comfortable in their lives, and they just have, like, it's almost like the same shit every day. You know what I mean? I think competition, like, it builds you up to, like, to a goal. You know what I mean? Like, because you have to, people have to cut weight. They have to do specific things to, you know, get ready for a tournament. And then they have, like, their big day. And I think as adults, we don't have our big day very much anymore, you know? Yeah. But usually, if you have kids, your kids have big days. You know what I mean? If you get promoted, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, that's normal. Like, like a work promotion. But, yeah, like having that, like that big day and you're on display. That, that shit is cool. Yeah, definitely. That's, uh, that's one of the things that, um, that scares people. You yeah. know, people are afraid of that. Um, if you... If you get out of your mind that the result matters, if, if, if you're able to 
say the result doesn't matter I'm viewing this as a learning experience then you have a lot more fun and then the training like you said the big day all of the stuff that leads up to that big day becomes you know worthwhile like you you are training for a competition that training is going to be tougher than your your regular day-to-day training and so I think people people get in their heads too much about the result and you know if it we're almost 40 years old. Yeah. I, I, nobody cares if we win or lose a match, you no. know? <laughs> so, like a family friend. Right, family and friend. Yeah. Like they, they might give you shit after you yeah. lose or something like that, but no one really cares. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the day, all I'm really trying to do is get better. Yeah. So the more I compete, the more I'm able to work on my nerves by competing, you know, I've done a fight to win four times now. Those, those are nerves that most people don't ever experience because this the shit is on uh, flow grappling tens of thousands of people are watching yeah, yeah. Uh, the arena has about a thousand people you're on an elevated stage those kind of things that that's the kind of thing now that I look forward to yeah because um, because I've done it um, a few times now uh, I, I'm used to that anxiety that you have uh, backstage but yeah you you should feel that you should feel uncomfortable because like you just said people get way too comfortable in their lives and there's never as much progress as you could have because you're afraid of something yeah it might be the result it might be looking stupid it might be i don't know what it is um the fear of failure is 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 really strong and if you get that out and you're able to defeat that and and realize that losing a jiu-jitsu match isn't a failure yeah so I, I i try to tell people that all the time it's like man just getting out there is a win well that's um, one of the reasons why i like jiu-jitsu is because um i think when if you're working like a normal like non-physical job you have like all this anxiety and all this other shit because i don't think we're like not designed to like live like this and i think that getting like that primal part of you out on the mats is like something that a lot of people really need and i think that a lot of people they, they have to deal with all these Really, they're really mental stressors when your body needs to like get it out some kind of physical way and like not enough people like work out at all and I think that this is like the best way to work out because you basically you're fighting for your life you know usually if you have like a really good training partner you should be uh, there should be like at least a small fear of like you getting fucked up you know? so, and you're not gonna get that with like say a crossfit or like running or something like that you know so and that's yeah the one of the things that I, I really appreciate about jiu-jitsu is that is because we're faced with, I mean, as Joe Rogan said, a life and death struggle daily. Yeah. You know, by the minute, by the second, if you're rolling with somebody that's, you know, just smashing you, you know, and that's good for the, for the brain. That's good for uh, your anxiety. That's good for therapy. Um, people need that. People don't get that in their life and they're, 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 they're stressed and, uh, and there's no release. Uh, yeah, you might go run on a treadmill for 30 minutes, but all you did was was sweat. Maybe yeah. you just thought about what was stressing you for 30 minutes while you were on the, the treadmill. You know, there's the, because jujitsu forces you to be in the moment. Because if you're not in the moment, the person who you're rolling with, sparring with, is going to destroy you. Yeah. So you have to then force yourself to be in the moment to defend yourself. Because you're you're able to just be in the moment for an hour, hour and a half, like we just did, um, 
it alleviates a lot of the stress that's, that might be building up. And then see, when I, I train at 6.30 in the morning every day, and when I get to work at 8.30, 9 o'clock, I look at the other people who are super stressed. And I, you know, I feel, I feel sorry for them. I, I tell them what happens when I train jujitsu. I get to work and I'm so calm. None of this stuff at work can really affect me like a 200 pound guy trying to, to choke the life out of me. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So, um, yeah, that's, uh, I'm with you on that. That's one of the things that I really love about jujitsu. Yeah, and I, you know, I try to get people to, to, to get to the mats and I, you know, I see the way they live their lives. It's like, you know, this might actually help you out and they just don't, they, they don't believe me. It's just like, I don't know. I, I think it's good for, for everybody getting out there on the mats. Like I was trying to get my girlfriend to go and she just, I can knock her to go. Yeah, she's like, oh, you know, I, I have you. And I'm like, but you're not with me 24 hours a day. You know, I can't protect you if I'm not there. So, yeah, I feel way more comfortable if, if she trained, but it's a losing battle. You know, some things you can argue about, some things you shouldn't. Well, that's a good segue into um, what I want to talk about with my, uh, the academy that I train at, Brazil 021. One of the the uh, head instructors, Annette Stack, she's an uh, IBJJF Hall of Famer. She's won the world championship seven times and ADCC three times. Wow. And they run... She runs one of the best women's programs in the world, probably the best women's program in the country. I know I'm biased, but that we, we have women's class, women's only class three times a week. Um, and I'm a big proponent of women training jujitsu. You know, people, when you, when you tell women that you should train jujitsu, they're like, oh, I don't want to roll around with big sweaty guys. Yeah. Well, you know what? Your attacker's gonna be a big sweaty guy. Yeah, more than likely. More than likely, <laughs> your attacker's gonna be a big sweaty guy. So why don't you go in and learn how to defend yourself? You know, one of the things I do on Facebook, and you know this, because um, you're always watching the videos I post, but I, I, I post these silly, what I think are silly and dangerous self-defense videos that are out there. Yeah. I mean, from big organizations, uh, I don't know, Bloomberg will post something yeah. or something. Wired had one too, it was really bad. Right, like, and it's like, it's like stomp his foot or poke his eyes, shit that will never work in no. a real situation, no. you know. Um, and another thing about those silly and dangerous uh, self-defense videos is there's no way to safely spar them. So, no, no. so go to a jiu-jitsu academy. If you're feeling uncomfortable about training big sweaty guys go to one that has a great women's program like Brazil 021 in Chicago and and you'll see like jiu-jitsu is is wonderful it's it's great for for empowering women yeah. and you know some of the, the craziest badass practitioners competitors that we have at Brazil 021 are women and it's one of the things that I enjoy about Brazil 021 is training with women honestly because the women are so technical yeah, because they yeah. can't revert back to man strength. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so one of the things, I mean, I love training with the, the, the women because I, it forces you to be technical. And it's honestly, when you show up as a white belt and you think you're tough, <laughs> and then you have a 125 pound woman tap you out and whenever she wants, yeah. it's very humbling and it's good for the ego. And, and that that's something that, you know, has really helped me defeating my ego and uh, things like that so but back to the main point is I think women should uh, really look into training jiu-jitsu because it's one of the, the best ways to defend yourself and um, 
And it works? <laughs> it does work. Yeah, I, I train with a, a few women. Uh, actually, it's funny because one of my best friends in high school, his sister, trains with me. And it's like, I didn't know she was trained there when I first went there. And I was like, oh, shit. So we can train together all the time. She's, she's blue, blue belt now. And then you have this other, uh, this other woman. She was a principal in, in EPA. She's like the nicest lady in the world, but she is so goddamn aggressive on the bats. It's insane. <laughs> she's like crazy. She's like basically she has dude strength. Yeah. And it's, I mean, she's like super nice. And uh, she's been tearing it up. And then the beast yeah. comes out, right? Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, and I would be remiss to not uh, mention my sister, who's like 115 pounds, had never done anything really sports-wise in her, uh, her life. And, um, you know, she was super stressed at work about four or five years ago. Yeah. And... Um, you know, I think I just blurted out after I'd started. I was like, you should train jiu-jitsu. And she took me up on it. And she joined Brazil 021. And now she's a purple belt. You know, she got a purple belt from Annette. And nice. her and her husband, my brother-in-law, moved out to back to California a year ago. Now they train under uh, Kyle Terra in San Jose. But she's an incredible success story about jiu-jitsu being for everybody. But she probably trains with some friends of mine. I got some friends out there, like Gabe, Sarah, and there's a couple other guys that are yeah, man, I've uh, uh, visited there a few times, and the academy is great, and the instruction is great. Um, yeah, I, I dig it. I, they're in the right. They're in the right spot. So, what got you into jujitsu? Especially at like, we got into jujitsu like kind of way too late. But you know, what what, what made you get into jujitsu at, at this age and just in general? Uh, so, it's kind of a long story. It goes all the way back probably to uh, to two thousand seven. I I wrestled in high school I coached wrestling and uh, when I was 27 I, I wanted to join like uh, MMA school because UFC was starting to get really big and uh, I didn't want to do the gi so I joined a um, an MMA school that had jiu-jitsu uh, the guy was training uh, Andre Olofsky at the time and I was only doing no gi uh, I did it for about a year I met my wife at the time then I quit and I got really fat and out of shape uh, for about six years and to me that didn't count as jujitsu because I was really doing just like MMA style yeah. you know aggressive submission wrestling uh, fast forward to 2014 and my wife and I were going through uh, infertility struggles uh, we had been trying to get pregnant since we got married in 2011 and uh, I was really out of shape. I was 205 pounds, and for people who don't know me, I'm I'm five foot six. That's yeah. really really out of shape. <laughs> yeah. I wrestled at 130 pounds in high school for frame of reference, and you know I was at the doctor's office in early 2014, and uh, was trying to give blood for a blood test. They couldn't get a real good sample from me because I was so dehydrated. Oh, wow. Yeah. She said, you have to come back. You're really dehydrated. Um, and it was kind of a kick in the butt. And for me, as a husband of a woman who's going through infertility, I wanted to do, do better. Yeah, yeah. And support my wife. And the one way that I could support my wife was getting in shape because that affects fertility. Yeah. yeah. You know, people are obese or you know have other health issues like that that they have lower fertility rates so i said you know what i'm gonna get back i'm gonna start grappling again i'm gonna join a jiu-jitsu academy but i wanted to go to a jiu-jitsu academy that i knew people at 
and my brother-in-law who I just mentioned was training at Brazil 021 under Andre Terencio and Annette Stack and it was really out of the way for me there was other jiu-jitsu academies that were very close that I could actually walk to yeah. but because I knew people there it was um, it was an easy sell and my first class and I tell this story a lot it's crazy I'm 205 pounds my first class I'd done some submission wrestling before. I could barely make it through the warm-up. I had to, two minutes into the warm-up, I asked Professor Hanette to go hit my rescue inhaler. Oh, you have asthma too? Yeah, I had asthma, oh, yeah, so I was like, and I, I, I used the inhaler later in the class as well. So I, I hit the rescue inhaler twice that day, but I was freaking hooked. And it, it had to do with the environment, but also, just grappling you know getting that aggression out and um, fast forward you know four or five months later professor andre said you know i'd like to see you in the morning class and that's 6 30 in the morning and so when the, the main instructor asks you to be there at 6 30 in the morning you go, you go. yeah <laughs> and then next thing you know i'm training five days a week next thing then then i get my blue belt and then a year later I'm moving my wife a block away from the academy, nice, yeah. and you know, before you know it, here I am. You know, just turned 39 years old, four and a half years in. You know, I've I've, I've competed in 20-something IBJJF tournaments. I, I've done four fight the wins. I mean, it, it it's changed my life in ways that I could not have even imagined on that day when I showed up as a 34-year-old fat guy. Yeah, you yeah. know. Really similar story. I'm gonna find a parking lot, just so you know. Oh, okay, we can just continue the conversation. But yeah, um, yeah, I started off kind of the same way, man. You know, I was uh, just turned, I think, 34, and I wanted to get my daughter into martial arts because she was uh, she had a little wild and shit, you know. So I was like, I figured out a way to get her aggression out, and I was like, and I was, I had, I was bodybuilding for a long time, and I was in Iraq, and uh, I had a problem with my guts, I had a bilateral dyskinesia. And so, basically, I would get pancreatitis, like, a bunch of times in a year. So wow. I couldn't work out anymore. And after that, you know, if you're a bodybuilder and you can't work out anymore, you just get fucking fat. Right, so, you just get fat. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I went from, like, I went from 250 down to, like, you know, 190. And I ballooned back up to, like, 215. And that's when I was like, all right, it's time to go, you know, get back in shape. And let's try jiu-jitsu because I went to, you know, the gym and I saw how good they were with my daughter. And I was like, well, let's just try it out. Yeah, first class, man, I was getting my ass kicked. I was like dying i mean i made it through but man i was dying so yeah, yeah i was i was hooked like you know first day you, f you find good training partners you find a good academy you just click and and you're good to go yeah man they call it what the bug yeah, yeah. <laughs> you catch the bug you can and now as purple belts i'm sure you can see and i can see when when a white belt catches the bug you know and yeah it's really one of those incredible moments that you can you can see a person's life changing before your eyes and uh, it's one of the reasons why I want to be involved in jiu-jitsu for the rest of my life. And, and a story like yours is incredible. And think about how fortunate you are just because you put your, your daughter into some something that, that's active. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden, for you, it then changes your life for, for the better, man. It's, it's, it's one of those things that I don't take for granted. And I th it's one of the things I think because we both started later in life, we don't take it for granted. No, you no. know, you might see some twenty-something-year-old guys who, who nurse some injuries a little more than us older guys. But for me, I feel like I'm 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 making up for time. 
Yeah. And so that's yeah. why I was like, I, I train every day I can until I can't. You know, we got a baby on the way, and I know that awesome. that's gonna. Congratulations. Thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, especially after all those years of, uh, you know, the infertility struggle. But, um, you know, I train until I can't. I know the ba- with the baby on the way, my training is going to be, you know, not as uh, frequent as, as I am now. But, um, you know, I- I'll try to make it in as much as I can because I don't take any of this for granted because I, I it, it's had such a positive impact on my health, my life. My mental health, everything, yeah. you know. So, but you can you can still here's some just general advice for, for kids. I know you're not asking for it, but <laughs> if you get your kid on a schedule, you can still pretty much train the way you're training. The way you train. I got yeah, because like you well, hear that, Lauren? <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I you know I have a 16 year old daughter, and uh, I think having a child when you're older is way fucking better. Yeah. Because first of all, you're you're way more uh, calm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you understand your emotions more, and you, you kind of put the kid first more. And uh, I didn't understand schedules uh, with children until like my my youngest. The youngest. Gotcha. Yeah, and now it's gotcha. just like she's on a schedule, and right. I, which I never to get her off that schedule. So, um, so I know she goes to bed at eight o'clock every day. Uh-huh. You know, she gets up usually like around you know seven or eight o'clock. And when she was like real little, man, she would sleep in at like nine ten sometimes. Oh wow. Yeah, and so as long as you keep her fed and on schedule, on a schedule, she's good yeah. to go. You know, once the kids gets off schedule. It's it's all bad, and with my daughter especially, uh, she gets on like a lot of sugar, just like even like uh, too much fruit, she gets kind of crazy. So we, we kind of uh, keep her diet on point too, you know. Gotcha. I think not a lot of not a lot of parents really think about um, like the nutrition of their kids. Right. They just feed them like uh, like baby food stuff. But if you actually like read the uh, the containers, like they're not most of them aren't good. <laughs> you know, yeah. they have like a lot of sugar. A lot of preservatives and sugar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you can make baby food yourself. It's fucking super easy. If you, if you have a blender, uh-huh. you can make your own baby food. So, like, all I do with, with my daughter is I put in some vegetables, a little bit of water, and, like, some avocado oil, you know, and make That's some kind it. of puree. She loves it. Yeah, she loves it. So you grind up meat, too? Uh, no, no. Um, when she got to the, when she started getting teeth, we started feeding her. We started cutting up, you know, like, uh, meat for her. Oh, okay. Um, but for protein, it was mostly fat. So her first foods were, like, avocados and stuff because it's nice and creamy, and she, uh, she loved that. Oh, and and now awesome. she loves, like, fish and stuff. So, yeah. That's awesome, man. I'm, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it, and... Um, yeah, you know, obviously you find a way, but, uh, that's good to hear that, uh, you have an experience where, uh, you know, the child, you're able to work jujitsu into your schedule with your child, you yeah. know, because, uh, you know, that happens to a lot of people, you know, in a, in a jujitsu academy, you know, they have a child and then the, the training starts falling off a little, Yeah. uh, and it's totally understandable. It is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, um. Yeah, I mean, my, my my dream would be my child and my wife end up training with me, you know, and that's one of those things that... Uh, Did she train before, your wife? No, she's never trained before. Oh, okay. People ask her all the time. <laughs> <laughs> she's got, uh, you know, little personal space issues uh, that yeah. we have to get... Uh, we'll work on that. But, yeah, and eventually, you know, um, you know, we might have, you know, try to have another child after and then maybe, uh, you know, later in life we'll... We'll put the gi on. I got a white belt sitting at home for her. Nice, I said, this nice. is your white belt uh, for when you start training, um, which will happen. Man, it's, uh, I, it's really unfortunate when uh, when people have like infertility issues, but it's also really fortunate once you have kids because people like you, you're going to appreciate your kids so much more than somebody else, you know, because I went through... Um, I think it looks like Joe Biden, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Holy <laughs> shit. That is crazy. Looks like a little bit older for Joe Biden. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I got video. distracted here. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Because, you know, I, I Joe adopted. Biden doppelganger just yeah, walking down the street here. For real, just chilling. <laughs> um, when we were going through adoption, you know, we had to go through a bunch of people with uh, infertility issues. And it's just like to see, like, the, the, the struggles that they went through and, like, going through adoption. And it's just like it's like it's bad, but it's beautiful once, once they get to have a kid. And, you know, they, they will always love their child and give them the best they possibly can because they know what it's like to want to have a kid and not have one. Yeah, and I'm not saying that uh, there aren't fertile couples out there that, and that's what we call them, fertile couples yeah. that, that have kids that don't appreciate them with the world yeah but man a lot of shit has up. when <laughs> when you go through this and then you see people who treat their kids like inconveniences yeah and it's it's nuts man it may it, it gave me so much perspective on on life and uh legacy and everything like that and just just everything because when you when you struggle so long to just even get pregnant yeah uh and then you see people who complain about getting pregnant uh bitch and whine about their kids it's man it's so frustrating and you want to say something but you're just like you know that's their life but man it, they don't realize how lucky they are yeah and it's a ki- struggle for people yeah you know? when you, when people are struggling um you know y- you appreciate things more and and you, you realize that that children our blessings and those, that's one thing that we'll never ever 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 take for granted and that's that's a one of the beautiful things about um you know where we were at where we're at now in our infertility is we just made you know a post that you saw on facebook uh announcing our pregnancy we're 21 weeks in now that's awesome. and one of the great things that has come about from that are the amount of people who have reached out to me and my wife Lauren uh, to just tell us how much inspiration we've given them they've gone through a similar struggle Uh, they're still going through it or they went through the struggle and now they have a beautiful child twins something like that and and it's something that needs to be talked about more um, because it isn't you know people people struggle with infertility and silence and it's really a shame and uh, one of the things that I, I, you know, that I really wanted to do was, you know, just talk about it. And that's one of the things that ties into the infertility struggle for me is jujitsu. Because yeah, like yeah. we just said earlier, jujitsu helped me get healthy and it has to have, you know, I'm, I'm sure it had an impact on us getting pregnant now because I'm so much calmer. I'm so much healthier. Our, my relationship with my wife has improved in spades because of jujitsu um so those are the things two things i'll never take for granted my child and jujitsu because these are things that have um have really shaped who i am today yeah that's good yeah um so my my girlfriend so she had a threw open heart surgery so that's the reason why we didn't have a kid naturally it's because um she it was too dangerous for her to have a kid and she went to high school with us too uh chris I don't know if you knew her. Oh, I recognize that last name. Yeah. 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 So, uh, re- really great girl. Um, but yeah, when we first got together, you know, we talked about kids and stuff and I was like, you know, I didn't really know if I wanted to have kids. I, I didn't want to have any more, ki- any more kids of my own. Cause right. uh, at the time, you know, I, I was struggling with depression and I was like, I know some, some people think it's genetic. I'm not sure if it's genetic, genetic now, but I was really nervous about passing that stuff down to my kids. So I was like, I guess it was kind of good that, you know, sh- she wasn't able to have kids because I was like I wasn't really comfortable with having another kid of my own. So mm-hmm. that's when uh, adoption came up. And yeah, we we talk about 
uh, adoption now. We're actually going to do another podcast about adoption and give updates about, you know, our, our daughter and stuff and what we kind of went through. And, uh, yeah, you're right. Not, not enough people talk about stuff like this because it's not a comfortable subject for a lot of people. Actually, yeah. I, I didn't know if you want to talk about it. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought it up. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's – for a lot of people, they, they – for some reason, they, they think that it's – it's messed up or but a lot of people go through this yeah. way more than we think yeah and they just it's the quiet struggle and i i think that people should stop living the the quiet struggle yeah no really I'm, talk about their I'm, I'm totally with that that i i had no idea and and one of the things i've learned through being in infertility is you, you just never want to assume and um i think if you if we can empower somebody else to just talk about their struggle with someone in their circle then we've done some good uh, today. And that's really, you know, one of the things that um, is really tough because you see sometimes that it's the people within your circle that are the, are the hardest to even communicate with about this. Because if, if you don't, if you haven't gone through this, you just don't understand. And so, you know, it, it, it's crazy. But after we made the pregnancy announcement on uh, Facebook, and we wanted to celebrate. Lauren said she wanted to celebrate with a TTC, a trying to conceive couple. Nice. Because yeah. when you're with a couple like that that has gone through the struggle or is going through the struggle, yeah. the conversation is just so free. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's just things you can't talk to a fertile couple about because they just don't know. There's just so much involved in infertility and adoption uh, because one of the things that's crazy is we we were uh, going through the process with an adoption agency last year mm -hmm. in December when we only had enough money to either pay for an adoption or pay for another IVF cycle. Oh, that shit is so expensive. It's, so it's crazy, right? Yeah. So we had, we had money saved. <laughs> yeah. We had talked to the adoption agency. We you know, sent them some pictures and everything like that to bit the profiles. And one of the things I noticed about your Facebook profile is the adoption profile that you guys had those yeah. pictures we ha we were starting to uh develop our profile it's like online dating it's weird. right it's crazy right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh you know lauren god bless her heart she said you know i want to try again and we decided you know at first i was like you know what we maybe we should do adoption she's like no i want to try again and we tried again and it was you know it was a success and it's you know, it's crazy that you, only the people in it can re truly have the the understanding of what you're going through. Yeah. And it's not, it's no knock on your friends who are uh, who are fertile couples and everything like that. But when people who go through the struggle, they just understand it so much more and yeah. and, and deeply. And and I I I think if people in the struggle felt more comfortable talking about it to their friends and family. Then it wouldn't. There wouldn't be so much silence about the issue. And uh, um, you know, one of the things I really appreciate about where science is going is, I mean, think about 30 years ago. You know, women like my wife, they would just say, "No, you can't have kids." Yeah. You know, yeah. it's crazy. But you know, with the advances in in medicine, we have to have advances in the way we talk about it in society. The way it's, uh, we we need to just lift the taboo. And, and talk about it you know not every woman not every couple is just gonna you know have sex after they get married and then bam they're pregnant you know it's just it just doesn't the world doesn't work like that and yeah. people just need to understand that and once we start talking about it more uh it'll be a healthier conversation 
um, and uh, you know more more couples will will feel empowered more couples will feel safer to speak about it and uh, you know it'll be a better world yeah yeah it would um, one thing that's great too is like going through stuff like this is like if you have a really good group of friends like it makes all this easier I know you you say um, they, they might not know what you're going through but if yeah. you have a really like tight-knit group of friends like they'll, right. they'll still support you yeah you know what I mean that's what I like that's why I like being like older now because you kind of at this point in your life you know near 40 you should have already weeded through your group of friends right. you know so you know the ones that are like not real friends and stuff so and that's another thing that jujitsu helped oh, was yeah, once yeah. <laughs> once i stopped being that guy that was like going out to the bar to watch monday night football or <laughs> hanging out in the clubs late at night and it's like no i got i gotta go to jujitsu your, your friend circle starts shrinking yeah and then ultimately you start end up hanging out with mostly people who do jujitsu. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. And then and then the friends that, you know, want to be around your positivity, want to be around you, they'll still be around, you know, uh, and and maybe they'll they'll try jujitsu. Yeah, luckily uh, my my friend groups they they mix, so I always have my jujitsu family and then yeah. I have my you know, my other family and I'll throw parties and they'll like mix around. And it's like around, it's always yeah. weird. They're always just right. like it's weird seeing like these civilized people with like savages. Yeah. You know what I mean? So <laughs> So as long as the civilized people understand how savage the, the oh, people yeah, are, yeah. like they could take your life in a second. Yeah, yeah, they know. I mean, they just see like my truck and I mean, he looks like a fucking badass. Right, know, right, so. right. But he's not. I mean, he, he does. He comes over and he uh, does Brazilian barbecues and stuff. So, oh you know, yeah, like, man. He's a cheesy meat guy, right? I'm like, yeah, but he can kill you. So you know. What's the uh, What's the Brazilian steak, man? That's so good. Chaleskoria. Uh, oh man. We're talking about like fuck it, a child. Probably the main one. Yeah, you know, no, but person. um, the the cut of meat. Oh man. Um, it's it's right at the tip of my tongue. My instructor does it. It's so good, man. The Brazilians, man, they know how to do meat. They do. <laughs> yeah, they, have, they have so many places around here, too, that are like Brazilian steakhouses. Brazilian steakhouse, yeah. yeah, man. If you have time, there's a place called Espedis that's in uh, San Mateo, I think. Okay. It's really good. Fogo de Chao is close to here, too, but I didn't really like it. They didn't uh, salt their meat enough, in my opinion. Um, yeah, you know, they're... They gotta appeal to the masses. I'm a, yeah. I'm with you on that. I always take a little extra finishing salt when I go to Fogo de Chao, but yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Those, the the nonstop meat, it's <laughs> you can't do it. You can't do it too often. Yeah, I'm working on my colon a little bit. I'm just like, this is gonna come out somehow. So, <laughs> yeah. all right, I change the subject a little bit because somebody had a question, and uh, I answered this question uh, through chat. But I wanted to ask you about it because you're a purple butt as well. Uh, a friend of mine, you probably know him. I'll say his name after the podcast. Um, he uh, he was a Marine. He wrestled in high school. He went to high school with us, actually. Wrestled in high school, joined the Marine Corps. He just retired from the Marine Corps uh, this year, and he was a blue belt doing jiu-jitsu, and he got a knee injury a couple times, and his wife was like, you can't roll anymore. Just got the okay to come back and do jiu-jitsu again. He's at a new academy, and he basically demoted himself to white belt, and he didn't tell anybody. So he's going as a white belt, and he's like, yeah, man, you know, I just didn't feel comfortable being a blue belt, so, you know, I'm a white belt now. And he's like, it feels good, like, smashing people, but he's like, what is your opinion on this? And I was like, okay. Uh, actually, first, let me hear your opinion on what he did and where he might have went wrong, if you think he'd went wrong at all. <laughs> you framed that question like he went wrong. <laughs> I, my take is that's a disservice to his instructor that gave him the blue belt because you earned that blue belt from that instructor – you carry that blue belt with you unless your instructor took that blue belt off you and put the white belt back on yeah. you're doing a disservice by putting the white belt back on and it's kind of sandbagging shit you're not a white belt yeah you yeah. got you got the blue belt it's like i mean you know i don't you're saying i know the guy but <laughs> he's a good dude okay yeah, yeah. i'm just dude. saying you earn the blue belt from an instructor 
Unless that instructor took that back from you, which I don't even know if they can do. Sometimes they do. I've seen yeah, sometimes yeah. they do. Um, you're a blue belt. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I don't like the, um, especially since it's not like he demoted himself from brown belt to purple belt. It's like he demoted himself from a colored belt back to novice beginner. Yeah. Because the white belt says something about somebody. When you see white belt, you know, a colored belt, we might go and be like, okay, I'm going to flow with this guy. He, he, he might need to learn some things. And then, but if you're a blue belt, you, you've already passed that stage, yeah. the beginner phase um, yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, I didn't like it either. When he told me, and I was like, I was, trying, I was being nice about it, but I was like, yeah, man, you're you're basically doing a disservice, especially to like the white belts that you're rolling with, because mm-hmm. they're gonna have this really weird perception of what a white belt is if they roll with you. Right. You know what I mean? And I I said that I, this is what I would have done personally, is I would have went to the instructor and be like, hey, man, you know, I've been out of jujitsu for a while. Um, I'm not sure if I'm a blue belt, but you know, you can watch me, you know, roll or whatever. And if you if you feel like I'm a blue belt. That I'll keep it on. If not, I have no problem going back to white belt. There's actually some schools, um, the Kama Academies in like Texas. If you're a colored belt, they make you wear a special belt when you go to their academy. It's a blue and white belt. Say you're a blue belt, it's a blue with a white stripe. Gotcha. So yeah. because you don't know their whole system. Right. I, at first I was like, that's kind of fucked up. But now for situations like this, I kind of understand that. I understand, now. yeah. So I was like, hey man, if it, what I would do is I would go to the instructor, even now after the fact you've been rolling there for a while, and just be like, hey man, I was a blue belt before. Um, I would even actually apologize, be like, hey man, you know, I'm sorry, I just, I wasn't comfortable, you know, with being a blue belt, but, you know, if you think I'm still a blue belt, then I'll put it back on, if not, yeah. you know, and just kind of be humble about it. My guess would be that most instructors would be like, keep the blue belt on, you got, yeah. you earned that blue belt from somebody who's reputable, I would uh, take it, yeah. and uh, keep the blue belt on, I, 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 yeah, I don't like that at all, I think um, you're right, it, it gives the white belts the wrong impression. Like, <laughs> is this the best white belt ever? Yeah. Like, he's just real. destroying me. Like, am, am I doing anything I can? He's just a white belt like me. Yeah. You see, that's, and that's what I was saying. The, the demotion from blue to white is particularly, um, you know, particularly uh, special because you're, you're demoting yourself back to beginner. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and that I don't like. It's uh, it would be one thing if some guy said, Oh, uh, I'm not really brown belt anymore. I, I should go back to purple. But the the, the levels there are are um, are closer. I feel like yeah. you know, like going back all the way to white belt and saying you're, that you're a beginner. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Well, it's also you know he came from when he was doing jujitsu. He was a marine, so mm-hmm. the way that we do shit is a little different. So that's probably why he got so many knee injuries because we kind of go 100 percent all the time. Right. And so maybe that was a difference between like his transition into like civilian life. So that's why I'm kind of giving him a little bit of. I guess slack, but it's like you know you're not these people that you're gonna roll with. They're they're gonna be normal ass civilians right. most of the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're not gonna be a bunch of a gang of killers, right? So you know you need to go into it really really knowing that. So you're saying in the Marines, you guys were like, uh, you guys were like doing death matches and stuff like that. Or? Well, we we learned McMap, right? So when well, so he joined the Marine Corps a couple of months before I joined. And um, so we went through like line training, which is like a little bit different from today. Um, now they have a thing called McMap, the Marine Corps Martial Arts Program, which uh, puts in like jujitsu, some, they, it's a bunch of different martial arts rolled into one, like Krav Maga, shit like that. Right, right, right. And most of it is like, we try to get the job done as quickly as possible. You know what I mean? So if, someone, if, so if you're training leg locks with a Marine that knows McMap, if he's going for a knee bar, you better fucking tap quick. Yeah. So if you don't tap in time, yeah, you know what I mean? That's on you. Yeah, yeah. So, but if you roll with like a, a person that is like, 
um, that does traditional jiu-jitsu, they're usually going to do like more of control. Mr. Craig Jones. Yeah. But they do more control first. Right. And then break you down. <laughs> and then, you know? got, right. Yeah, yeah. But Marine... And is, then if they feel like you're not tapping on a leg lock, they might just let go. Yeah. You know, because they're, they're not trying to hurt you. Yeah, because sometimes you assume that they might not know that they're right. in danger. Right. So that happens a lot. But, uh, yeah. But Marine, for the Marines, you guys have to tailor your training for real life situation yeah, like yeah i understand and it's, and it's way it's 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 way different like i would never train the literal life and death struggle yeah i wouldn't train <laughs> with a civilian like the same way i would train with like right. a marine i even had marines that uh, came to my gym and it was it's fun they're they're different because you know they're already they have the, they already have like that that kill or be killed mentality that's like within them like we learn it too through like jujitsu, but right. it's on a different level in the military, especially the Marine Corps. So anybody that's in special forces, right? So right, that's right. why, like Jock, I would assume that he's like super good at jujitsu because you know that's. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. that he's a big ass dude, and he's gonna fuck you up. And so. he's likely killed people and understands what it takes to fight for your life. And so, here's a question for you: um, You guys did weapons training tied into jujitsu, like using jujitsu to pull your weapon uh, uh things like that in the marines well it was a little bit uh so we didn't usually do like jujitsu stuff like with weapons not at least when i was doing it no it was just basically just grappling but okay. it was like it was much more aggressive grappling much more aggressive and grappling. it was some gotcha. usually in like boots and you so uh boots and then like uh camouflage your, your stuff, uh, so. fatigues right yeah 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 every now and again we do when i was in we didn't do gi at all it was mostly no gi stuff but yeah, it was just uh, it was it was really cool. Like when we do like knife fighting, it's like with like a fake knife, and it's nothing. It's no nothing jujitsu based. So, so maybe that. Uh, here's a question then. So this is a age old question. Like, what's more realistic, gi or no gi? Like, I would think with fatigues on, the gi would help. Yes. So <laughs> when uh, now that I've been training more as a white belt, I was thinking that no gi was more realistic. But then I thought about it. I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's not. Like, how many times are you gonna fight a guy? Uh, with Valley Tudo shorts on at the beach. And, and especially when you grab their shorts, oh, you can't grab my shorts. Right, you can't grab my shorts, like, right? Yeah, you know? So now whenever I roll with somebody that does the noogie with me, and especially when I was like a new guy and he starts grabbing my, gee, like my pants and shit, I'm just like, whatever, man. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think that doing with the gi now is probably more realistic. Right. Because um, people are going to have clothes on when yeah. you're going to fight them. I'm not going to roll with a guy with fucking spandex. You know? Unless you're getting in a fight at like a Russian bathhouse or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> But I, but I like doing both, you know. I, I really like do. There's things I can do in no gi that I can't do in gi, right. you know, and that's yeah. vice versa. So and I like to t tailor my game um, both ways. Like I don't like using a lot of grips in, with with gi, you know. Mm -hmm. I just that's not the way I because I, I then in, you you don't feel like some of the grips will transfer to yeah to yeah. no gi. I I'm a big proponent of doing both because I feel like they both help yeah each other. Uh, I think uh, grapplers should do both, but uh, that's just my opinion. I know people people like to specialize and everything like that, but uh, to me, you got to do the gi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you have to do the gi if you want to specialize and do uh, mostly no gi for tournaments. You have to do the gi because it's it's more cerebral to me to do the gi because uh, it allows for smaller people to control you. Yes. And so when you can't just um, scramble out of a position. Yeah. It slows things down, and you got to be more technical. And that kind of mindset helps you in no gi. So does, training yeah. the training in the gi will help will help everything. And because it's so it's so technical, and because the gi has so many ways to finish you. Yeah. Uh, somebody that's proficient with all of the gi chokes, it makes your defense better. And all of those things they transfer to no gi. And now no gi. When you're training nogi and you, you can't grip somebody and you can hold them down, you know for sure you can hold them down with a gi. Yeah. So sure. it helps you with control 
and and things like that and scrambling and other things like that so I think I'm a I'm a proponent of training both I train um, four days a week in the gi and, and two days a week uh, without the gi so I'm nice. I'm a big fan of of doing both I don't think you should uh, you should eschew one or the other. Yeah, me so. either. I mean, I, I train with the gi more only because I feel like I'm better at no gi, so I just mm-hmm. train my weakness more, you know? Right. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think people that, that do one or the other is just, I mean, why not do both? I mean, yeah, just do both. It's, it's both of them are fun. Yeah, you know? it's fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's totally fun. Like, when I remember when I first started doing, even now, you know, like, I'm, I'm pretty strong guy, and it's like, if you have my gi locked up, it's like, if you have it locked up the right way, I can't really do anything. Like, right. my strength is pretty much worthless. So right. I have to, like, use really technical movements. You have to be technical, shape. right? Yeah. yeah. And so, um, I'm, I'm similar to you because, you know, I wrestled in high school and I did that year of submission wrestling MMA. And um, so I, I had much better results uh, in no gi, but the gi, especially when I got my purple belt, the gi became so challenging uh, because I finally started focusing on on grips. Yeah, that, that it it became. It, it, I was so excited to train gi. The more gi, the better. And I've only done one uh, no gi tournament as a purple belt. All gi tournaments because. The key is just so damn exciting, man. It's like when you start figuring out all these different ways to use lapels and sleeves and, and gri- gripping somebody, controlling them by the the bottom of their pants. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, things yeah. like that. When you start figuring stuff like that out, man, it's so mind-blowing that, man, you want to train again and you want to do it again. And um, that's one of the great things about uh, the gi. So today when we rolled, um, usually I talk to people now about like leg locks because I'm like... I like doing leg locks, but some people don't. So I always ask somebody before we roll, I'm like, yo, you want to do leg locks? You want to I'll fucking do it. Yeah. And uh, so you like doing leg locks, obviously, right? Uh, I love leg locks. Um, you know, obviously everyone that listens to the Joe Rogan podcast heard John Danaher say, you know, why would you disregard 50% of the body? I, I really love them. I think that people that just do them are probably doing a disservice to their own jujitsu. I do like the way that my instructors uh, teach leg locks. They teach you to control first uh, and then go for the leg lock. Don't just bail and say, fuck it, go for a leg lock. And then all of a sudden you're getting smashed. Yeah. You know, um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the, uh, of the leg locks because what I, what I like about, uh, leg locks and there's a, a black belt that trains at the academy name his name is professor draguino little dragon he uses the leg locks to set up his guard passes yeah to set up submissions you know the threat of the leg lock alone it opens shit up it opens everything <laughs> yeah. up and so that's what i appreciate about him is this you're using the whole body like all he needs to do is touch my toes and I'm scared shitless, you know, so things like that, that makes you better at jujitsu. Like before I started training leg locks, um, with Draguino, I, I thought I was, I had a decent guard. I yeah. thought I was, uh, my guard was really hard to pass. But then once, you know, the, he was able to do a knee bar or able to do a, a toe hold on me. I was like, holy shit, I don't know anything yet. Yeah. And then it's, it, that makes you better. And so I, I think, I do think there's, um, you know, there's something to say about not teaching uh, beginners leg locks. Um, ankle lock is fine, but 
letting people graduate to the point where they can they feel proficient training the leg locks makes sense to me um is it brown belt like ibjjf is it purple belt i don't know smarter people than me have determined that yeah Um, i've been doing the last for well i started doing like kind of progressing as like blue belt now purple belt i do them all the time right I got known for being like a shred ankle lock guy because yeah. when I roll with one hand, that was like my best move. Because right. like I could use, especially in the gi, because I'm just like I got one hand and, you, and you grip the gi, right? Yeah, yeah I love like, that. I can take an ankle home, you yeah. know. So. so no, I'm a big fan of uh, of leg locks. Um, yeah, your entries are good, man. Like you're. Uh, thanks. When we first started entangling, I was just like, I was trying to see what you're gonna do. I was like, all right, what, what's you got here? <laughs> What's he got? I was like, it's some good control. And we got 50 50 a couple of times. Yeah, like, that, right. the honey hole entry, that's straight. Yeah. Professor Draguino, he did, he's done that one. to me thousands of times. Uh, the last fight, the win match I did in August, I, I caught a guy with a toe hold. Yeah. Um, and it was, we were playing footsies for like a minute. And it's one of those things. It's just, you know, it's there. You, use it, you know? Yeah. So, um, no, I'm a big fan. And one of the things that I love about jujitsu is it evolves and you know back 20 years ago probably not that many people were were doing heel hooks in tournaments and you know it took maybe somebody like dean lister you know they're the great equalizer i mean he tapped adolfo vieira in adcc with with a leg lock so you know, you see somebody like Craig Jones. Craig Jones is fucking he's amazing. Yeah. He's a purple belt like two and a half, three years ago. Yeah. Comes out of nowhere. And now all of a sudden, because of a leg lock, he's tapping Leandro Lowe. Especially, I, I love the way he does it because even though I usually a proponent for control first. Yeah. But his control, it goes like so fast. Like, what was it? One time he was in, um, I think it was EBI. Where literally he attacked, he grabbed the guy's other leg just so he would move over just a little bit, and then he immediately attacked his other. His yeah, right, leg. right. And it's like he tapped within like half a second. And I was just like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things I love about Craig Jones is he's a little different than the Danaher guys because the Danaher guys, they don't like playing knee shield half guard because it, it opens up the the shield uh, leg yeah, for yeah. attacks. Craig Jones enters most of his leg locks from knee shield, so. That might have to do with his body type. He's a little longer. He can extend the guy. But um, I do, because I love knee shield yeah. um, myself. But I've been tinkering with how to be defensive first and then and then enter uh, leg locks from there. Yeah, like but, what, I used to knee shield a lot too. Yeah. And then I was like, as soon as I started doing leg locks, I have to like press my feet on top of each other. Correct. Just yeah. to like make sure. Make sure that the top <laughs> leg is safe. Yeah, yeah. so it's, uh, no man, I'm a big fan. Uh, it's one of the things that uh, that has really excited me about um, you know potentially uh, leveling up and just going forward in jujitsu is leg locks because it slows things down, man. When you got when you got the threat of somebody just grabbing your toes and tapping you, yeah, that th- that slows things down. You can't just be wild and crazy anymore. You can't just be flying your feet everywhere in your guard and. Yeah. And throwing your spider guard up in the air and, and things like that. So yeah, I, uh, I love people doing open guard now. I'm just like, okay, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now people uh, hitting these estima locks. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you gotta watch your feet. If you got feet on the hips, you got you got to be careful, man. And that's one of the things that, like I said, it's 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 challenging and it's exciting about uh, the leg lock. So yeah, I'm a big fan. I um, I. Uh, I've hit a couple ankle locks in tournaments, and like I said, I, I got the uh, 
the toehold and the fight to win in August. Nice. And yeah, so I'm a big fan of uh, of playing footsies. <laughs> yeah, I was nervous about you coming out, man. Cause I was like, this guy's fucking legit. Fuck me up. <laughs> I was like, it's still fun, you know. No, it was good times, man. We roles. had great roles, yeah. man. <laughs> Everybody at One World Jiu Jitsu, shout out there. That the open mat we just were at, man, beastly. Everyone's uh, tough. And one of the things I loved about One World was everyone had that old school pressure game. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it's like, because you, you know, you don't know. You never know. Somebody might be, you know, you go to a school and everyone's doing barambolo mm-hmm. or all the new fancy stuff that I could never do. Um, I but, only did one fancy, like, I think when we were rolling, did like some crazy. We ended up. I ended up inverting in like a leg lock, and I was just like, I ended up just being there. I was, right. I don't even know how I fucking got there. <laughs> you, went, you inverted right to a knee bar, yeah. yeah that was um, crazy. But uh, yeah, these guys there at One World, man, it was all smash. It was crazy. Like, pass the guard, smash, bravo choke, uh, paper cutter, things like that. Yeah. Like, old school stuff, man. Ezekiel, like, I love it. That's my kind of jujitsu. Yeah, stuff works. They, they had me on defense a lot. I was like, all right, I guess I'm just going defense mode for a little bit. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's good, no, man. it was good, man. One world, we'll be back for sure. Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's wrap this up so I can get you back to here. Because your wife's here, right? Yeah, she's here. We've got a visiting family. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back in the Bay Area. This is my third time out this year. So Awesome, awesome. Yeah, yeah next time you come out, man, hit me up. We'll do some more training. Yep, you know? for so, sure. I'll be here for a while. Thank you for having me, man. It was great talking to you. Great catching up. Where can we find you at? You can find me at SaigonCinnamon underscore BJJ uh, on Instagram. You can find me at Paul Doe on Facebook. Uh, Hit me up. I'm always on social media. Uh, And, uh, yeah, mostly uh, if you want to follow me about the jujitsu, get me on Instagram. But if you want to follow my memes, get on Facebook. (laughs) Memes are good. (laughs) Memes are good. (laughs) All right, now I'll be in the description. So. Yep. All right, y'all. Uh, I'm out this bitch. Peace. Yet many questions remain unanswered.